You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the necessary steps to opening a dental practice, and we'll learn how important it is to do this correctly to avoid unnecessary anxiety and a variety of potential pitfalls. Our guest and expert in the field is Trent Watrous, a dental-specific CPA from Nashville, Tennessee. Trent continues to work with practices in varying levels of success, from startup to fully operational or actively struggling to overcome prior financial decisions. Trent, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk today. Thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure to be here. So as a dental CPA, what is the common theme you see among dentists who are looking to start a new dental practice? Phil, that's a great question. Um, I would say the number one theme that I see is the anxiety of what is the next step. They are very strong, as you know, clinically in providing dental care, but taking the steps, and there's numerous steps, to opening that dental practice creates a lot of anxiety. So it's, what is the next step I need to take? How do I go about getting the help? Do I employ someone or can I do this myself? It's finding that path in the woods that leads to their their dream practice. Do you find that the majority of dentists try to do this themselves without professional help? And then when they feel they've kind of maybe screwed up, they look for people like you or, or do most dentists work directly with experts like yourself? In my experience, about 50% of the dentists try this on their own and about 50% are very successful in building their team. And the ones that do this on their own have the best of intentions. They're very capable learners, but in time they realize some of the details that must be managed while still practicing dentistry would have been better fulfilled and uh, answered and managed had they put a team together, and and let me kind of give you an idea there. Putting a team together of a banker, CPA, the equipment specialist, who can help that person choose the right building contractor, tenant-specific real estate agent, that team, when it's pulled together, works for the best interest of the dentist versus the dentist trying to learn um, how to be a good real estate representative trying to judge what supplies do I need to build out my practice, how to choose the equipment when they're not familiar with all the brands. Building that team creates a very successful outcome. Now, you as a CPA, do you recommend some of the players on the team, or do you recommend that the dentist find them independently? Um, you know, that's a, it's kind of a mix. Uh, Oftentimes, I will make recommendations. I'll get to know the dentist and what they're wanting to create in, in their dream practice. So if they say, I need to align myself with so-and-so, I can say, well, here's a couple of options. And the things that I stress to them are choose people who have been down this path. Choose folks who are specific with your industry. For instance, a building contractor who does residential construction and doesn't understand the precision that's required inside the floor plan of a dental office, probably not the kind of guy or girl that you want to choose. So I can make recommendations because it does impact the cash flow, which is part of what we help manage as a dental-specific CPA. So how does someone build a business plan for opening their own dental practice? Well, a good business plan starts with the end in mind. I think a lot of dentists who are wanting to take the next step 
are not quite sure what is it that I want to have in three or four years, not just on opening day. So the first step to a business plan is deciding what kind of practice do I want to build? What am I dreaming of? When you know the destination, Phil, it is so exciting to come backwards on the journey and work into building that plan. Let me give you a for instance. Let's say a young man, young lady decide to open a practice that is a bread and butter dental office. They're going to offer a few specialty services, maybe a little extra endo, but their focus is to have a very traditional practice. Knowing that that office will probably need five ops, maybe six, to provide the capacity for them to earn a good living, it allows them to begin to seek, if I want six ops and 425 square feet is the norm per op in planning, then I'm going to need about 2,500 to 2,600 square feet. Now I know what my rent number probably will be based upon the per square foot area. Then as they come backwards, this is what I'm going to need in space. This is what it'll take to build it out. This is the kind of equipment. They begin to put the components into that business plan that tells them, how much money do I need to go to the bank and borrow? What should I expect in my first year's earnings and cash outflows so that I can provide for my family or repay student loans? What level of growth will I experience? How much equipment do I need day one? So it's starting with the end in mind and then coming backwards, filling in those details that are part of the journey towards opening that office. So that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I've heard in the past, Trent, is that when doctors decide to build their own practice, their biggest mistake is they don't make it large enough. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. And I, well, I don't know if it's one of the biggest mistakes. It's unfortunately one of the most painful. Hmm. Uh, and because you say from day one, well, I'm just going to be a five-op practice. Well, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's, if that's your thought through dream, Phil, but if you're not sure what your dream is, and you really intended to have an associate come in, two associate or two dentists, the owner and the associate inside a five op practice, your revenue could be capped out. And now that's a problem. You can't get enough patients in those chairs to provide enough cash flow to support the practice. So going into it again with how much space could I ultimately need? How much space do I need today? Let me give you, for example. Let's say that a young man, young lady wants to open a practice. They've been practicing a few years and they decide I'm just going to be a five op. But if uh, a colleague comes along in five years and we would like to open uh, a larger office, it might have been wise on the front end to have an option, a first right of refusal on a space next door to the current office. So as they grow and that tenant moves out next door, the landlord would come back and say, that space is available. You have first right of refusal. It could double your office. Now they have the capacity to add that associate or have a partner in their practice and to grow into a much larger entity. But had they not planned on the front end, they may not have that option, which then pushes them to relocate so that they can have an associate or a partner in their practice. Yeah, and it doesn't cost them anything to have that added into the agreement, right? The first right of refusal? It doesn't. In fact, not only does it not cost, but that's part of the strategy, Phil, of building a successful team 
is when you have a tenant specific real estate agent who's looking into the contract for your interest, they put those kind of items into a contract so that years down the road, you think, I am so glad I thought ahead. One of the things that uh, many dentists who are going through this process forget, they do not have to pay the real estate fees to hire the real estate agent. Those are paid by the landlord when the contract is negotiated. So having a professional on your team who is focused on real estate and that the money to compensate them doesn't come out of your pocket is a real benefit. You don't want to miss out on that. That's a that's a good team member to have as a part of your plan. Tell us briefly, um, and I have a couple more questions after this, but tell us briefly who typically embarks on this. I mean, is it someone coming from a DSO that's worked in a DSO for three years? You know, they've worked for a large corporate entity and they want to have their own practice or is it someone who want has always been in private practice never worked for the big corporation and was mostly solo maybe wanted to take on an associate is there any formulation here or is it just uh all over the place phil i don't know if there's a limiting factor uh let me kind of flesh that out for you a little bit it's neat to see young people come right out of dental school exciting graduates that know their path. They're going to go work for you, Phil, for a year, and then they're going to go out on their own. The next type that I would see would be be someone who has worked for maybe their hometown hero for a few years, but that person has uh, a son or daughter that's going to come back. So they, they go, they get some great experience, they're mentored, and then they're clearing their path to going and opening that new practice. I am beginning to see many young people go and join the DSO world, corporate dentistry, and be well-trained, have great experiences, but they don't have that opportunity for ownership. So what they're looking to do is to take a step towards having their own place after using the DSO as a training ground, build up their cash savings, eliminate student debt, and then they can take a venture ready to roll, ready to lead their team, and provide a very high quality of dentistry because they've got experience under their belt in working with colleagues, leading the staff, chairside etiquette and communication skills. They've learned that in a larger organization, which brings them success. Thus, they want to go out. It's really all across the board on what people are uh, doing to start their own entity. Yeah, because <clears throat> I was just curious because the amount of student debt, you know, it's just exorbitant. You know, so so to start in with something else too soon could be very difficult financial pressure. And in fact, in my introduction, I introduced you as someone who works with people that are struggling to overcome prior financial decisions. So it's really, you know, it's a wonderful thing to have your own business and and build it. I mean, it must be so exciting for a dentist to build a brand new practice. I, I can't imagine anything more exciting for that dentist, but um, they have to be very careful. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, taking that first step into owning your own business is best done when you have a good plan. When you jump too quick and you don't have certain financial decisions in a row, uh, the cumulative effect of of financial burdens begins to amplify. I have met with over the years, I would estimate 20 to 30 young people who were ready mentally to take the next step and open up their own practice. But when we looked at their financial picture, they came to the conclusion, the time is not right. 
exciting part of that was there was not a door closing. There was actually another door opening, and that was, can I have the next year to get my financial house in order so that I can be as ready as possible? And we built that plan, and they moved ahead with credit card debt reduction, having a stronger savings account. So when they went to the bank, they got the absolute best deal they could because they were prepared. So thoughts around managing your own dental practice can be daunting. We know that. How does a dentist learn the skills to be a successful business owner, not only as a clinical dentist, but actually a business owner? Well, I want to focus in on one word you use there, and that's the word learn. Many clients and uh, individuals we worked with through this process have said, I felt like I was so educated in dental school on clinical procedures. I just don't know anything about business. And I try to remind them, you know what, when you went into dental school, you didn't know much about endodontics or orthodontics or um, basic dental skills, but you learned it. So find the time to associate with someone like a dental CPA who will teach you the skills of business because you are a very capable learner. Dental CPAs in particular bring a total scope of understanding to the table. They understand debt. They understand cash flow. They understand how revenue is generated and expenses must be paid. And then what are the norms for the industry? As you engage a CPA, choose someone that you communicate well with, that you enjoy spending time with, and they have that experience so that they'll meet with you on a regular basis and you are able to learn the signs of a stable business, a profitable business. What's that uh, nature of information that you need to hold on uh, a monthly basis to be as successful as possible? I know one, for instance, course that we teach on a regular basis is called the Foundation Seminar. And the purpose of that seminar is to walk someone through the basics of business, how to open a practice, how to build your team, and do so in a manner that's a repeatable process. They understand each of those steps, and they become a better learner and obtainer of information because they understand the components that build a, a business entity. Now, do you have uh, the ability to handle cases outside of Nashville? through uh, Zoom meetings or something like that? Can you meet with clients that aren't physically there? Actually, we do. We work with clients around the nation, and our purpose is through technology, which is beautiful today. You can connect up after hours. You can connect up on a lunch break. You can help someone talk through those next steps. And I have clients on a regular basis who will say, hey, I want to set up a Zoom meeting or a go-to meeting, and I, I want to understand why my income went down this month. We're able to get on the phone and in 15 or 20 minutes, you teach someone the impact of changes in profitability, which impact cash flow, which impacts what they can take home. And the next month they know what to watch for and improve it. Technology allows an ongoing learning process. So we're able to connect with people at most any time in any place. So do you think most dentists are using their regular accountant that does their taxes for this? I do. Um, in, in fact, I have received referrals from uh, traditional CPA firms asking, can you help a client of ours go through the startup process? To a large extent, 
business is business, but to a smaller extent, but has a great impact, the intricacies of dentistry are built upon business principles. But if you don't understand how dentistry works, business is not business any longer. It's a problem. So choosing to work with someone who understands the field and can effectively communicate and teach you how to understand your business creates not a dependence upon the CPA, but creates independence because you now hold that information. So it's very important that you use someone that doesn't just do your taxes. Taxes are just to pay your obligation to the government. Choose someone who teaches you how to be a business owner so that you can succeed whether or not they're present. That's a great point, Trent. I actually think um, you should give your website out if you can. Well, it's actually WSWCPAS.com. And under that, you can go to the dental service line, and my contact information is in there. We have uh, a number of items that you can go and review and be glad to speak with anyone about, hey, where where am I on the path of starting? and What's my next step? Uh, it's a predictable process. And sometimes I remind folks who are considering, think about all of the people that you know that have been down this path and very successful. They learned how to do it. You can do that, too but you got to take the first step and make sure that it's the right one. WSWCPAS.com and look for Trent Watrous. Um, So let's wrap up this podcast. It's been very, very informative, Trent. Um, You have a great radio voice. So with my laryngitis and your radio voice, you're going to take my job too. Um, So my last question is, what is the number one recommendation you would give to a dentist seeking to open a practice? Number one recommendation Great question, Phil. I would I would encourage the dentist who's wanting to take the next step to build a business plan. I am a big believer that planning builds success. You're not trying to build a plan that is so intricate that it confuses you. You're wanting to build a business plan that guides you so that you know confidently that's my destination and I'm on the right journey. That business plan will help you ask yourself questions. It will help you avoid spending money in areas that don't bring value to the end equation. It will guide you towards investing your money in assets that have a return on that investment and it creates financial stability. And as again, as I mentioned earlier, the foundations course, which is associated with ADEC in Oregon, we teach the course around the nation. And the purpose of that course is the dentist who's ready to take the next step sees the path and they feel empowered to take that next step. They understand where they're heading and why they're investing their time and resources in their step in their career. Great information. And the foundation course that ADEC puts on, I've heard about that. Before we end, can you briefly tell our audience about this program and how they would get information and why you recommend it? Absolutely. The course is a course that's taught by myself and Dr. Chad Edwards. He is the uh, one of the partners in the Tennessee Centers for Laser Dentistry. He opened a practice 13, 14 years ago. He uh, added a partner. He's had associates. He relocated his practice up to 10 operatories now. And he's been through the whole 
gambit of emotions and taking the step. On my side of the fence, I spend time helping young people make those decisions and move towards uh, financial success and owning their own practice. So the two of us came together and we started realizing the thread of knowledge is very similar that everyone is seeking. So in the foundations course, it's 12 hours of continuing education that will start with you defining your dream and allow you to leave that course with a clear understanding of the components of business, who needs to be on your team, where you get the money to grow your practice, and what do you need to do to succeed, and also what you need to avoid that could limit your success. So the course is very specific. We humorously just taught this a couple weeks ago in Orlando, and two of the young people came up to me afterwards, and we were chatting about the course, and they said, you're not charging enough. I said, what do you mean? They said, this is what we were seeking. We're ready to open our practices in Houston. So it, it was an exciting time. Yeah, there's no question that if you get the right information before you, you know, move into something as big as building your own practice, it'll save you tons of money, tons of time. It'll take out so much aggravation and you'll just enjoy life more. I mean, you'll get to where you want to be faster. It's all about the expertise when you when you have something like this. There's so many variables and there's honestly a lot of things that can go wrong. There absolutely are. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And they're very preventable, Phil. That's the great part is knowing what to stay away from leads you closer to success because you don't turn off that path when when you don't need to. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Trent. It's been uh, wonderful listening to you. I hope our listeners enjoyed it and I hope to have you on future podcasts. Again, this was Trent Watrous. He's a dental-specific CPA from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, You could reach out to him by visiting WSWCPAS.com and looking for his name. And then also, if you're looking for some education, which is uh, specific to what we're talking about here, ADEC, um, a great company, one of the greatest equipment companies in the world, sponsors uh, and runs a program. Uh, It's called Foundation, so we encourage you to get more information And you can get that, I guess, from the ADEC website. So thanks again. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show, Trent. Thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure to be here.